What is up? How are we doing? Man, it's good to see you. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here. If you're a guest, welcome, man. Thanks for being a part of what God is doing here. If you're in Scottsdale, Santan watching, or if you're back tonight at 5 p.m. or watching online, thank you guys so much, dude, for riding this bus with us and for being on this journey. Um, we, we started a brand new series last week called Contender, um, where we're really asking us to just kind of kick it up a notch. If we're going to do this, let's do it to the best of our ability. And Scott did a great job, man, of, of kind of pointing us towards this whole, you, you can't play the blame, the blame game if you really want to make a difference. Um, today, we're, we're going to walk through something. And I, I hope, man, by the time we get to the end of it, we're all pushed to be a little bit more like Jesus. Because I, I think if we were to take a poll, and granted, we're in church, but if we were to ask the question, man, who, if, do we really want to do something with who Jesus is in our life. I, I would bet a dollar that all of us would be like, oh yeah, for sure, dude. I would love to be great with my faith. Um, I would love to be the spiritual superhero. I'd love to be the spiritual leader of my home. I, I would love to do these things. I, I feel like this is this is true. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what you're involved in right now, where you're at. If you're in Scottsdale, Santan, Yuma, um, it, it doesn't matter. I, I know this is truth. If you are breathing right now, God has something big planned for you. Like he has designed you. He has built you to do something amazing. His goal for you was to not be good, was to, but it was to be great. He's, he's built you. He's wired you. He's made you unique. He's made you weird. He's given you these likes, these dislikes, all of these things so that you can achieve greatness. And, and it's not so that you're great, but it's that while we're great, we make him famous. And, and it's this, this really cool motion. So as we talk through this today, I got to set this up before we dive in. Today, this isn't about you becoming better at your faith so that we can point out, point out the faults of other people. So this isn't so we can walk out of here with a Bible and be like, you're going to hell, because um, that doesn't help anybody. This isn't so that we can feel good about our faith. This isn't religion. This isn't so that we can stack you know, the deck in our favor. This is because I believe that God has designed each and every one of us to do something amazing. And part of that is what we do in getting there, that we have a, a part to play in that. Now, if you don't believe in Jesus today and somehow you got roped into coming and you're stuck here right now and you can't get out and you're like, if I go to the bathroom, when do I have to go so it's not weird? This is why we're so weird as Christians. This conversation hopefully is going to point out to you why we do the things that we do. And again, it's because God has designed us for greatness, but it's not so that we're great. It's so that we can make him famous. So that as we walk through this um, Lastly, know, know this today as we, we talk through this, this is not a, a salvation issue. What, what we're going to discuss today is a prize. Salvation is a gift and, and that's free. But what we're going to talk through today is a prize and it's something that's earned. So this is not salvation based. This is just us being the best Christian possible. That, that's kind of where we're going. Now, I believe some things to be true and some of this kind of set this up. There's some principles in play that regardless of what you think about them, regardless of what you believe, if you feel good or if you're in the mood for it, it doesn't matter. They're still in play. Gravity, no matter what happens, if you jump, you're going to fall, right? Because even if you're feeling like, I don't really believe in gravity, jump. It doesn't matter. Gravity won't argue with you. Now, some things have happened in gravity over the past 20 years because I remember jumping and it taking longer for me to come back down. So gravity switched somewhere in there because Lord knows I haven't changed, but something in that is, has changed a little bit. That, that's, that's true no matter what. I think you being designed for greatness is true no matter what. I, I think, and, and this is the principle we're going to look at today, I think the, the, the truth behind you reap what you sow is true no matter what. Now today, here in just a little bit, you're going to have the privilege hopefully to go home and turn on the TV and just my opinion, and we can argue about it later if you need to, but I think you're going to get a chance to witness one of the greatest receivers of our time playing football this afternoon, Larry Fitzgerald. Dude's nuts. Um, 
by far, and again, just my opinion, I think he's one of the best, the best receivers possibly to ever play the game. Like he's definitely in that list in, in my mind. Um, the dude catches everything and it's nuts to watch this guy play. And I get, we could argue a little bit and you could be like, oh, now Tim, Larry's taller than everybody else. He's got these freak hands that are like fly paper. Um, his brain understands football better. He can run routes better than everybody else because he, he just gets it. And some of that would be true, but that's not totally true. The reason Mr. Fitzgerald is as good as he is, is because he believes in practice because there's a point in time where he said, man, I'm really good, but I'm not going to be satisfied with good. I want greatness in my life. And he puts time in and that's what he does for a living. And that's why he, we talk about him and see him on the news. Now, one of the things as believers, and this is where, where we come in, why are we as Christians satisfied with just being good as believers? We're okay with just being good, man. I remember in VBS back 30 years ago, I learned this verse. It was John three, 16, 14. Um, I don't know. It's in the Bible. It's in red. I mean, I'm sure Jesus said it. Jesus loves everybody, all the little children of the world. And then he cried. It's in the Bible, dude. I know it's there and we're content with that being okay. But then we expect to become these great spiritual leaders. You get that that doesn't happen. You can't listen to enough Christian music while you sleep to wake up in the morning and be this incredibly godly person. That's not how it works. You have to do stuff with that. I mean, again, this isn't salvation. This is, this is spirit. This is our walk with Christ. Now there's a dude named Jim Collins that wrote this book is called good to great. And in the book, he, he says this, he says that good is the enemy of greatness, that most people will never achieve greatness because they're satisfied with good. Because when you're satisfied with good, you never push to be great. I feel like this is a lot of us with our walk with Jesus. If you've got a Bible, man, jump with me to first Corinthians nine, this whole reap what you sow thing. I mentioned before that I've got a grapefruit tree in my backyard. Um, still hate grapefruit. A couple of things I could do today. When we get back home, I could go out in my backyard and I could cut the tree down, but I really don't want to do that because it takes a spot up in the corner of my yard and it looks kind of nice. Um, I could try to like grapefruit, which I did, and they're gross, so that didn't work. Because I'm a pastor, right? I could go in my backyard, and I could go up to the tree, and I'm also a hugger, so I could go up to my tree and just be like, hey, grapefruit tree, come here. It's Tim. I own the house. Um, I just got your water fixed, because like a minute ago, that was leaking, and it cost me like tons of money, and you weren't getting any drinks, so I just fixed your water, dude. I could have got cable, but instead, I got you stinking water. Here's what we're going to do, and I could rub the leaves a little bit. It's nothing personal, Mr. Grapefruit Tree, but I really hate grapefruit. Like, you're disgusting. How about just once? Just once. Give me some peaches. Dude, I love peaches. Just a couple. Not a lot. Just a, I'm not greedy. Just four or five. Now, in doing that, and maybe I could even pray. God, please help this grapefruit tree to give me peaches because we both know grapefruit's gross. And that was something that you did for the fall of man. Grapefruit to peaches. <laughs> Amen. And I could walk away from that. And when my tree produces fruit, what am I going to have? Grapefruit. Because no matter how hard I pray over this tree or I try to convince this tree to produce something else, it's going to produce grapefruit because that's what it is. It's a grapefruit tree. You get, in order for us to produce spiritual greatness, there has to be some things that we do to get to spiritual greatness. And some of you are like, hey, Tim, this is where I struggle because I can't produce spiritual greatness because I'm a mess up. Dude, I'm screwed up. So I produce screw up because that's what I do. That's what you did. Because when Jesus comes into you, the moment that we say yes to Jesus, that's the moment that he changes us. 
And so the Bible says that the old is gone and behold the new, that we become a brand new creation and we have spiritual goodness inside of us in the form of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And we can't achieve spiritual godliness and goodness because of who God is inside of us. So that may have been who you were, but it's not who you are. First Corinthians nine. I want to look in a, just a window that there's a dude named Paul who's kind of a, a spiritual superhero. If you go to church for any length of time, most likely somebody like me stands on stage and we talk to you about this dude named Paul because he's a stud. He, he's kind of the, the Superman or the Batman of the Bible because he's just, he's legit. He does all these crazy cool things and, and you just sit back and think, wow, dude, you had theme music, something. You were like off the chain. This is crazy. How'd you get so smart? Well, He wrote a letter to a church in Corinth, and and today I want to walk us through just a small little window of it because he tells us how he got to be who he is spiritually. And I think if we'll take that and we'll apply some of this to us, it's going to drastically change who we are. And again, not to make us better, but to make Jesus famous, which is why God has built us for greatness. First Corinthians nine, I'm going to start in verse 24. It, It starts with this. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, now this is a concept we understand in every aspect of life except with our faith. In every aspect of life, we get that the goal is to achieve greatness, is to win. When we play a sport, we don't strive for fifth place. Like we don't root for a football team because we're hoping it gets fifth place. Now, most of your teams are going to get fifth place because they're horrible, but that's, that's not why we root for them. We root for them because they want first place. They want to win the Super Bowl. That's, that's their goal as a team. These teams aren't lined up in a huddle somewhere in a locker room going, dude, if we could just get fifth place this season. Some of them are. <laughs> and we still support them. But that's not the goal of the team. The goal is to win. There's no participation trophy. I mean, the great theologian Ricky Bobby said it best. If you ain't first, you're last. The point is victory. That's why we do this is to win. Why is that okay in everything except for our spiritual life? And granted, it's different. Well, because you're supposed to be humble because the first shall be last. Yeah, I get that. But you being last still puts you first. And it's a weird mix-up, but it still works. We're okay with every other aspect of our life. Between our job, we've got to get to the top. Between sports, man, we've got to make sure that we're the best. Everything that we do, we can push to be first. But when it comes to salvation, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to showing Jesus in our lives... We're content with just kind of sitting back. And Paul starts this letter out and he's saying, man, do you not know that in a race, everybody runs to win. And when he wrote this right now during to this, this church in Corinth, there's a a series of games that's about to take place. It's called the Isthmian games. And they would happen two times a year right now, right outside of Corinth. These games are about to take place when when Paul's writing this letter. And in these games, you've got people that are coming in and they've, they've got races, they've got boxing, wrestling. Um, there's like javelin, like discus throw, they got chariot races, they got foot races, basically the Olympics, but the Isthmian games were about to take place. So when Paul starts talking and sends this letter to this church, these guys understand the concept of man, we're playing to win because these athletes that they're about to go and support are about to get out in front of everybody and try to get victory. That's the point of the games. And Paul's like, man, you, you get that everybody does that. And he goes on to say this verse 25, he says, everyone who competes, And this is kind of cool because the word he used for compete, that's the Greek word. That's where we get our word for agony, agonize that this word, everybody who pushes themselves, who struggles, um, crossfitters, y'all get this because y'all are weird. Um, I did crossfit once for like 30 minutes and I was done. The dude was like, do 20 burpees, 35 pull-ups, 16 chin-ups, like 20 sit-ups, run two miles. Um, And I was like, yeah, I got an hour. He's like, no, do that six times. I was like, I'm going to the IHOP, dude. Ain't got no time for that. 
Y'all get it because y'all are weird and you punish yourself. That's, that's what he's saying. That, that's where he's at with this. He's like, everyone who competes, you, man, you, you make your body hurt. You run until you get the cramps. You struggle. Everybody who competes goes into strict training. Th- these guys would train for 10 months before they competed in these games. In order for you to compete in the Indian games, you had, to, you had to quit your job, move away from your family, and for 10 months, move, in, move into a training facility where they, they taught you, and you were, man, they, they monitored your diet, they monitored your weights, they, they kept you working out, and for 10 months, to make you the best that you could be, you went through strict and rigorous training. It says that they, can, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that'll last forever. You see, the Indian games, when they were all said and done and they were over... You ready? You walked up in first place and they put a a crown on your head that was made out of pine branches. (laughs) That's it. You're like, yeah, pine branches. Um, Then a little bit later, you got a crown, like a a little crown thing made out of celery, which I mean, you don't eat that. So you might as well make a hat out of it. So let's get a crown of celery. And then seriously, and then it went back to a a crown of pine branches. And and that's what you got, a a wreath for your head of pine branches. So you could walk around with pine on your head and be like, hey, what's up? I won. And people didn't care. That's what they strove for. That's what these guys, they killed themselves for. That's what they went through all this training, 10 months of leaving their family, 10 months of leaving their friends, 10 months of just pushing themselves to the limit so that they could walk out and get a, a tree branch crown placed on their head. And Paul's like, man, you guys are pushing yourself so hard for that. And I get it. You want to win, but that's temporary. Why not push yourself for something that's eternal? Why are so many of us content with five minutes of Jesus every day? We'll push ourselves in the gym. We'll push ourselves in work. We'll push ourselves in school. We'll push ourselves and push ourselves and consistently grind to get to the top. But when it comes with salvation, we're satisfied with good because we don't understand we've got greatness ahead of us. If we would just strive for greatness. This guy named Malcolm um, wrote this book and, and in it, he came up with this principle called 10,000 hours. And, and it's the, the 10,000 10, hour rule is basically this. If, if you want to achieve greatness in anything, it takes 10,000 hours. So if you want to be a chess master to a neurosurgeon, it takes you 10,000 hours worth of, of deliberate um, conscious practice to get you to where you're a master, whatever that field is. If you were to be honest where, where, where does your walk with Jesus fit in that? How many hours do you put in? And granted, remember, this isn't salvation. You're not earning salvation. This is a prize. I am in the seventh grade. My oldest brother took me to ACDC. Holy cow, dude, changed my life. Ankish Young got on this stack of amps and jumped down with this guitar solo. Dude went nuts and I went crazy. And I was like, I'm in. Um, I, I, this is, this is me. I love this music. And so I started listening to that. He got me hooked up to stuff like Zeppelin. Um, man, we got into some really, really good stuff like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, Van Halen came out and I was like, Oh man, this Eddie Van Halen dude. And I was in the seventh grade. So I was like, man, that's me. I'm going to be Eddie Van Halen. He's going old and die. He does all these drugs. So I don't, I'm going to be great. I'm going to come in. And I remember I, I convinced my parents to get me guitar lessons. And so I started taking guitar from the seventh grade, took it through junior high, through high school. Then I got into college and I had to have two electives. So I took guitar Um, and I've I've taken it, man, most of my life. And I started thinking like, if I was going to be realistic with you and we were going to really like, just be real for a minute, I probably have maybe 1500 hours worth of guitar in my belt. Like I've, I've played practice the guitar for about 1500 hours. 10,000 hours is master, 1,500 hours. This is what you get with 1,500 hours right here. Um, 
West Philadelphia, born and raised on a playground where I spend most of my days. That's it. That's it. No, because y'all are y'all are ridiculous right now. But you can you can do a lot with that. Because see, you can also do like um, who lives in a pineapple under the sea, SpongeBob SquarePants. You can do anything with it. This is what this is what guitar lessons that my parents strove. Man, they struggled to do. This is what two semesters of college guitar got me. You know what I do with it? I wait till my kids go to the bathroom. This is no lie. And I sit outside the door and I sing to them. 1500 hours of guitar, seventh grade to 46 years old. And I sit outside the bathroom and sing to my kids and I make up songs about their day, about my day, about the dogs, about anything. When they were potty training, I made up a poop song for them to try to help. That's good. Brennan, will you come out for just a second, man? Help me welcome Brennan. This is... Y'all, don't, y'all may not know this. this. This is my buddy, Brennan. He plays in a band called the Technicolors. He's got well over 10,000 hours worth of guitar. I, I wanted you to see 1,500 hours of guitar versus well over 10,000 hours of guitar. Brennan, would you... You know when you, when you want to punch somebody, but then you also want to hug them too? Man. Do, do you see the difference between good and great? Why are we satisfied with good when it comes to our walk with Jesus? When God has built us for great? Go back in the text. Because Paul, get, Paul gets in and he tells us kind of how, how to get there. Verse 26. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. You, you get it. Paul's saying, man, I don't run like somebody who's running in a sprint and then it's like, oh, circle K, Slurpee. And they run off. There's no point in that. So when I'm running, Paul's saying, man, when I'm running the race, I've got my eye on the goal and I'm doing everything I can to get there. I don't run aimlessly. I don't just go out and just jog in place. I'm going to get to the goal. That's, that's my job. He said, I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. He's saying, man, I'm not just sitting in the gym punching bags or just punching the wind or just punching the air. I'm not trying to hit my opponent and just missing and thinking that I'm doing something. He said, I'm I'm doing these things for a reason. There's a purpose for me spending time in the gym. There's a purpose for me shadow boxing. There's a purpose for me jogging. There's a purpose for me running. He, He goes on to say in verse 27, he says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. And I read that and I thought, dude, that's a weird sentence. So I started looking it up. And in Greek, what he's saying is I give myself a black eye. (laughs) He's saying when I'm training, I'm going to push myself as hard as I possibly can. I'm going to give myself a black eye and I'm going to make my body a slave. And he does that because just like us, he knows that his body is full of evil temptation and sinful desires. And he's got to master that. And it's work because you don't just wake up one day and, and quit. You struggle with it on a daily basis and daily you wake up and you make your body a slave. You make it do what it doesn't want to do. Your body wants to, and your mind tries to get you to go one direction and you know that's not where you're supposed to go. It's running aimlessly. And so you make it go a different direction. I hate the fact that five comes twice in the day. There's a 5 a.m. I don't know if y'all know that, but it's a horrible time. You realize that I have to force myself to get up early to read the Bible. 
Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that it's like, oh, hey, Jesus time. And I wake up all smiles and butterflies and I'm grabbing my Bible and I'm just, re- no, my alarm goes off. And after the third or fourth snooze, I'm finally rolling out of bed to spend time with God. And if I don't, it, it messes my day up. I struggle with that. I have to make my body do something that it doesn't normally want to do. And my body fights me on it. <laughs> I, I don't know what it's like for you when you decide to spend time with God, but that's usually when, that's usually when the dog throws up, something floods in the house, my car breaks down, something's burning in the back, and the kids are running with scissors. And that's all the moment that I break my Bible out. I've got to force myself to get into this. But I do it because I don't want to... I don't want to sit at the end of the day and look at my life and think, man, God built me for greatness and I was satisfied with just being good. I was satisfied with just the little bit that I know. I was so satisfied with just knowing a little bit of God and how good that made me feel because I just, man, I'm going to heaven. I know that. And I, I don't want to be satisfied with that. I want greatness in my life. I want to get up and I want to be like Paul in this. Look at what he says, man. I strike a blow against my body, make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I will not be disqualified for the prize. And remember, this isn't salvation. This isn't Paul saying, man, if I don't work hard enough, I'm not going to make it to heaven. You see, remember, salvation is a gift. Paul's talking, talking about a prize. Prizes are earned. Paul's, and, and what he's saying is, man, at the end of the day, I know I was built for greatness. And I know that my job was to go out and to make Jesus famous. And I'm going to do everything that I possibly can. I'm going to sacrifice whatever I have to sacrifice to make sure that I'm ready to go out there and to do what God has built me to do. And if I have to make my body a slave, if I've got to punch myself in the eye, whatever it means, man, by, by any means necessary, I'm going to go out because I'm not going to be satisfied with good. Because you, you get that in order to get spiritual greatness, in order to reap spiritual, spiritual greatness, you have to sow spiritual discipline. And Paul got that. This 10,000 hour theory, you you understand that if 10,000 hours is really what it took for us to be proficient in sharing our faith and knowing what this book says, you realize that five minutes a day doing that, it's going to take you over 380 years at five minutes a day. Why are we content with spending a little bit minimal amount of time with God and yet facing it and and pushing ourselves for greatness and everything else? When everything else is temporary and the time we spend with God is eternal. And again, this isn't salvation. It's you getting the great things that God has in store for your life. Because he's built you for greatness. Some of you don't know what that greatness is. And it's not God's fault for not telling you. It's yours for not spending time with him. You want to know what you were built to do? Spend time here. Spend time in God's word. And I guarantee you, it's, be- it's going to become apparent to you. And it's just, it's going to start to happen and you're going to start to do it. And it starts with you spending time in God's presence and five minutes a day is a great start, but it's a start. Are you willing to spend time with God? Now, some of you, if you're like, man, how do I do that? How, how do I spend more time with God? Let, let me help you. You understand that as a church, that's why we do all the things that we do. Men, that's why we have a men's ministry that, that's off the chart. Because we want you spending time with God. Ladies, that's why we have one of the best women's ministry on the planet. Because that's how you get to spend time with God. And we can help you with that. If you have kids, that's why we have ministry from the time they were born until college. To put them in different places where they can spend time with God. And, and help get close to that, that 10,000 hours. Help them spend time with Jesus so they become more like God. And they make Jesus famous. And they understand what God has built them to do. 
It's why we have small churches. It's why we have the mind. It's why we do all these things, small groups around this church, because we want you to spend as much time with Jesus as possible because we are 100% sold on the fact that if we spend time with Jesus, we become more like Jesus and we begin to do the great things that he's built us to do. And it doesn't make us look good. It makes him famous. What's keeping you from spending time with God? And are you willing to kick it up a notch? And remember, this isn't salvation. This is you doing what God's built you to do because you can't listen to enough Christian music or do enough good deeds to wake up and be a spiritual leader. You don't get spiritual greatness from being lazy. And five minutes a day is a great start. But it's a start. When you read this, you you get that this isn't like any other book. You don't read it to get to the end. You read sections of it and you try to figure out what it's saying and how it applies to you. Like this little section with Paul saying this, you you read that and you start thinking, if you're like me, you're like, well, I don't jog, I don't run, I don't box. So how does this really speak to me? He's not talking about running, jogging or boxing. He's talking about going out and pushing yourself like those people who do. That makes sense to me. So you read this book trying to understand what it's saying. And then once you understand and digest it, you start applying it because knowledge without application is worthless. And we go out and we do the good that God has built us to do. And in doing so, we understand what greatness is because good is the enemy of great. And we're never going to see greatness in our lives if we're satisfied with good. My challenge for us, and please hear me, for us, is to desire so much more of God. We understand what he's built us to do. And at the end of our day, when we lay down and it's all said and done, we can look back and we can sleep peace knowing that we gave God everything that we have and we did what he put us on this planet to do. And he's famous because of who he is through us. Pray with me. God, thank you for today. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, for loving us. God, I thank you for the fact that it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how broken, how screwed up we may think we are. Um, we may think we're disqualified, but God, that's, that's the whole reason that you came. So Jesus, in this moment, would you let the truth ring out that it's not about who we are. It's because of who you are and, and you will take broken and messed up people, God, and you will use us to do the miraculous. And Jesus, I know this is truth. You have a plan for each and every one of us. That's great. God, you have something designed for us. That's outside of anything that we can even comprehend. So God, would you help us to to stop being okay with good, to stop being okay with just the minimal amount of time that we spend with you. And God, would you help us to have a desire to spend more time with you, God, to, to open your word and to read it and let the pages come alive. God, would you help us to pray and spend time in prayer, listening to what you have to say instead of trying to tell you what to do. God, would you help us take advantages of all the opportunities we have to spend time in your presence so at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, man, we can look at this life and say, Jesus, we did what you put us here to do. You were great through us. So God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the free gift of salvation and for the opportunity for us to go and do great things through you. Would you give us the strength to do that in the beautiful name of Jesus? Amen. Amen. I'm I'm not sure where you're at in all of this right now. I I know this. If today's the day that you're like, man, I really want to know more of who this Jesus guy is. I'm going to ask you just just to come forward. There's going to be some people up here that would love to pray with you. If you just have something you want someone to pray for in your life, there's going to be people up here that would love to do that. If not, what are you going to do this week to push who who Jesus is in your life and to spend more time in his presence? Man, I hope you have a great week and we'll see you guys back next Sunday.